This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Last December, the Asian Classic Powerlifting Championships was hosted in Johor, an event that marks Malaysia's debut in organising the tournament. An elite international meet that sanctioned under the IPF, the International Powerlifting Federation, and also the APF, the Asian Powerlifting Federation. The tournament last year saw participation of over 450 athletes from 27 countries, one that's organised by MAP, the Malaysia Association for Powerlifting. And something special on the last day, they also had a segment where it saw the participation of athletes from the Special Olympics and Blind Categories. Joining us this week to tell us more is the president of MAP and himself a competitor, Dato Dayalan Jeevan. He tells us more about the championships and also explores the growing scene here in Malaysia. Malaysia never had a national federation. Circa 2016, I was a year or two into the sport as a rehabilitation method for my injury. And uh, as I got more into it, I started asking some of the more competitive athletes, like because there's the competitions here are run privately by gyms and whatnot, and, you know. And uh, there was a couple of athletes that uh, went to international competitions under the Singaporean Federation, as opposed to a Malaysian Federation. And I started asking questions like why, and then uh, some of them said that no, we don't have a federation here yet, and uh, it was too tedious to you know start one and whatnot. Mm. So I took it upon myself to help them. Actually, I had no plans of hitting this. I took it upon myself to help them formalize a national federation here in Malaysia uh, and build relations with the international federation, which is the IPF. And uh, with the help of then Sports Minister uh, YB Kairi, mm-hmm. we managed to formalize a national federation and get the membership of the International uh, Politics Federation as well. And uh, it was at the first AGM that I was elected mm-hmm. to be president initially in the pro term i was only i think if i'm not mistaken one of the vice presidents I see. yeah you work your way up and, and you know you've seen the you're now seeing the fruits of your labor not just you know in terms of your role but also uh in december you guys organized the asian classic powerlifting championships and uh malaysia uh we hosted it as a debut for the first time we, ho- we are hosting this right. championship tell us a little bit you know what were some of the challenges and what was the experiences in organizing this international meet Oh, in the grandiose of things, I think it is the biggest uh, powerlifting championship in the IPF calendar. And it's the curtain call. So it's the last uh, championship of the year. So it happens right after the European Championships. And uh, this year was the biggest ever again in terms of uh, record number of lifters, participants and countries participating. Mm. So we had 27 nations, close to 500 athletes, including uh, we had a special inclusion of the Special Olympics athletes and the blind as well that's right yep a very mm. nice gesture mm, mm, mm. yeah you mean I'm sure it takes a lot of you know manpower and a lot of thinking to go behind like you put out almost 500 athletes from 27 uh, different countries across the Asian continent when you step into this role did you ever think okay I'm going to be preparing for something of this scale uh, to be honest yes I did okay so, <laughs> <laughs> it was something I told the uh, executive committee back in 2017 I said after our first uh, visit to an Asian Championships uh, I think that was in India 
that and I told the team, I said, you know, I think we should host one mm. in due time. Mm. And um, of course, it was not as soon as everyone expected it to be. But yeah, it came sooner than ever. And uh, it was a huge success. A huge credit goes out to the executive committee, the state federations, and big, big credit to the volunteers. Because yeah. we are a non-profit organization. And every one of us, including me, we run uh, pro bono. You know, it's on a voluntary basis. Mm. Uh, everyone took time off work, like especially my executive committee and some of the core volunteers. Uh, the whole championship was close to two weeks and everybody, you know, put family, work, everything on hold outside to you know, make this a huge success. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it was a, a huge success, you know. Uh, this championship is sanctioned by the IPF, the International Powerlifting Federation, and also the Asian Powerlifting Federation, the APF. Uh, Daniel, uh, how are you hoping this debut will help grow the powerlifting scene here in Malaysia? Uh, of course, the growth in the last few years has been tremendous in terms of the new number of lifters. Also, we have had a lot of initiatives to create uh, a lot of junior sub junior lifters mm. to get a lot of kids into the sport. So we made membership free for them. Mm. Uh, we run a lot of programs. So with that being said, and then hosting the Asian Championships, you know that adds perspective to the sport as well. You know it becomes a spectator sport because powerlifting per se is not a spectator sport. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, we want to try to optimize viewership which is very hard for a sport like powerlifting. Mm. And uh, that is essential for growth as well, you know. Mm. And uh, yeah, so with hosting the Asian Championships, I think uh, what that has done is they, the spotlight is now on us. And uh, a lot of people are asking, like, hey, what's this powerlifting? You know, what's this about? You know, and Malaysia hosted the Asian Championships on such a grandiose scale. Mm. And uh, we've had now... Uh, we have never been supported by KBS all throughout, but finally with the Asian Championship, although menial, I take it as a big win mm. with yes coming in and lending a hand yeah. support as well. Yeah. A good first step, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something on you, you pointed out just now, you know, powerlifting, like you mentioned, not really the best of spectator sport. Uh, you say you tweak a little bit uh, some things uh, in this recent championships. Uh, can you go into specifics, uh, some examples of what you did? Sure. So powerlifting per se, right, is a sport spectated by competing athletes or you're somewhat involved in the sport. It is unlike um, like football or yeah. hockey or badminton. It, it is yeah. not a fast-paced, you know, contact sport per se. Yeah. But and it's a very long competition. So an athlete starts his first squat, say, at two p.m. and his final deadlift sometimes can be at six p.m. It's like four hours, you know. And yeah, so these are some of the reasons I'm citing why it is not really a spectator sport. But we are changing the dynamics. You know, uh, our live stream viewership has gone off the charts throughout the Asian Championships. The Asian Championship page got up to a hundred thousand new subscribers wow. just during that period. Yeah. Wow. So, and um, on the global scale, powerlifting itself has been uh, incorporated into the Olympic channel. So, our goal towards uh, getting ourselves into the Olympics is getting there. So now the International Olympic Committee have included powerlifting into their channel, their official channel. So they air all the world championships on the Olympic channel, uh, also Eurosport. Mm. So in Asia, uh, we are following closely behind. We're not there yet, but yeah, I think with uh, the IPF and us, things are 
changing dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, something you brought up too earlier, you know, the inclusion of a special segment from athletes from the Special Olympics and also the blind category. Definitely a right move into um, going to that inclusivity. Tell, tell us how the association decided to incorporate this segment and what kind of impact are you hoping to achieve out of this? Okay, first and foremost, uh, powerlifting itself is an all-inclusive sport. So there is no age barrier mm. first and no gender barrier. Mm. So now since we have broken that down, next is to include uh, the special athletes, right? And um, this is slightly different from para powerlifting. So there is para powerlifting, which is a single bench press only. Okay. And it's for different disabilities. For those with uh, disabilities like autism and whatnot, they still compete three lifts like any one of us. And uh, the idea was mooted by the IPF mm. first to have the Special Olympics. But then the blind was our initiative because Malaysia, we have a Malaysia Blind Sports Association. Yep. And we reached out to them and they said, yeah, they have athletes and they were interested. And we said, okay, then we will include the blind as well. And I think it was a huge success to have all of them on board. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, definitely a great move in that direction. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the overall competition, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, talking about men's and the women's category. Uh, Singapore ended up as overall champions. Uh, yes, Iran yes. came in second. Malaysia third in the men's category. Uh, women's side, Singapore as well. Uh, eventual mm-hmm. champions. Uh, Malaysia fourth. Um, before yep. we touch on Singapore, what were your overall thoughts on uh, our, our athletes' uh, performance at the championships? I I got goosebumps telling you this. I think they did great. Given that a lot of these athletes were helping us with the setup, mm. with logistics, with everything. And uh, some of us, uh, prior to the day one, we got an hour's sleep. Wow. <laughs> uh, because we were busy setting up, we slept one hour and then we came back. And all, all the athletes were helping out with uh, various tasks on the day. And I think given that, I think these results were tremendous. Mm. It was mm. beyond expectation, to be honest. Mm. There's a sense yeah. of community spirit, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the community is great. One thing great about uh, powerlifting is the unity within the national team and the community is superb. Great to hear. Um, but now, uh, not something that's not so great to hear is our gap to Singapore. Uh, mm-hmm. Champions in both uh, uh, senior categories. Uh, what will you attribute their success to and what possibly can Malaysia le- learn from our neighbours? So Singapore had a decent head start with uh, powerlifting. So they, they, their federation, uh, I think, is five or six years older than ours. Okay. So they had quite a head start. And the development program is uh, one of their best assets. So they've got a great number of junior, sub-junior athletes coming in, which is something we only started about two years ago, okay. you know, the, the youth development. So I think in due time, we would knock them off their perch. Mm. Give it as a long-term plan. <laughs> uh, speaking of, you know, how MAP is working to ensure the championships align with, you know, international standards, world-class mm-hmm. standards, what kind of measures have been taken at these championships to provide, um, you know, world-class competitive experience? Uh, say, the judges, for example. Talk, talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about them. Okay, so all the uh, referees that oversee mm. uh, championship come from different countries. So, most of the time, every national team comes with a set of referees as well. And the technical committee then decides uh, the referee on rotation. And usually, the refereeing panel, uh, there will be three referees, one head, two side referees, one technical controller, 
and a set of three to five juries. Mm. And uh, the rule is they all have to be from different nations. So uh, this uh, technical support comes from the IPF. I see. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How about in terms of like uh, competition rules and stuff like that? Is it standardized across the board worldwide? Yes. So the uh, the IPF rule book is mm. our Bible. So we have a set of guidelines. And for us, even nationally, our qualifiers and our national championships adhere to that. Mm. And we run it at an international level. So for for us to replicate that at the Asian Championship wasn't wasn't much of a task, to mm. be honest. Got you. In a more grand scheme of things, how does this you know important milestone not just in you know your association's track record, but also power the powerlifting scene here in Malaysia? How how does this event contribute to the growth and development of you know the scene in the country? Do you see um, more signups in terms of you know people actually aspiring powerlifters wanting to get into that competitive side of things? Uh, yes, we have seen an increase in uh, memberships uh, first and foremost, but we have also seen an increase in uh, participation in competitions. Now uh, the athletes see some light at the end of the tunnel, like hey, you know. If I hit, because our qualification criteria for the national team is quite clear and it's public, and uh, there's no red tape to mm. be as long as you hit your qualifying number on merit, you're in the national team. Mm. Mm. You know, and uh, of course there are certain other criteria, you know, some volunteering hours and whatnot, but those are secondary. The primary thing is to hit the QT at the moment you hit the qualifying to in the national team, mm. and that path has been made clear. And now with hosting the Asians, uh, everyone else gets to see that. Hey, Malaysia, you know, these lifters were just lifting next to us in the gym and the next thing you know, they are national athletes. Yeah. You know, we had a team of uh, 42 athletes. Mm. And uh, uh, that is one. And then the other is, again, from the viewership that we garnered throughout the Asian Championship, I think the interest towards the sport has grown. Mm. Yeah. How's the associations work on uh, the ground at the grassroots, especially? You know, uh, you were mentioning something about how you know uh, kids kids nowadays can get into powerlifting. It's you know yes. inclusive. Uh, are you guys trying, uh, in the sense, creating awareness and education at that level? Yep. So, uh, so the first initiative we turned to last year was to make membership free for those uh, juniors yep. and sub juniors below eighteen. Yep. That was the first step. Now, since we have got them in. And uh, they've got a channel now into the national team. This year, our focus is going to be to go out to now then colleges and universities. Mm. Uh, so I think we've got a couple of seminars planned out uh, in colleges and universities. And coming up, uh, we have a bench press championships, which uh, will be hosted in Sunway University College. Okay. So, uh, that's another form of awareness that we are creating within the uh, tertiary education spectrum, right? Mm. And, yeah, and I think... Uh, we have one vice president in charge of youth development. So I think one of the uh, items on the pipeline is to have a university cup where Ah, uh, kids represent their school or universities and compete for their educational institution. Yeah, because going going at that grassroots level is the best way to unearth new talent, right? To keep that. Uh, Talking a bit about Asia standard, right? You know, okay, as a result of the last championships in December, Singapore is um, the overall champions. But how will you compare the the region as compared to to the rest of the world? Where do Asia where does Asia stand in that sense? I think Asia, to be honest, we've got a lot of world record holders sitting in Asia. Mm. You know, you've got uh, foreigner, Singaporean athlete, female world record holder. You've got uh, Oppo, who's the Thai athlete 66 world record holder. So we have got that depth in Asia. Mm. Uh, I'm 
even so many athletes from Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, they they all have world records, and they sit top three, top five in the world oh, wow. in the weight class. Yeah, okay. so hmm. I think it's pretty much stacked out here in Asia, and we're the biggest continent hmm. in terms of number of members. Hmm. Yeah, so our region is the powerhouse. Uh, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like we mentioned earlier as well, uh, you're not just you know um, helming the scene, the powerlifting scene on an administrative level, but you're a competitor uh, yourself. Um, tell us a little bit, you know, about yeah, I guess your your training and how do you prepare for competitions like this when you don't have to, you know, organize the the tournament. <laughs> so uh, training is, I would say, it's part of a lifestyle already. Um, I used to train four times a week, but I've reduced it to three now because. I need time for the commitments as well. But mm. yeah, I get my training in weekly. Recently, actually just post-Asians, uh, we set up, uh, all team Malaysia set up our national training center, so which has made training even more accessible mm. for national athletes. And we have made it uh, free, actually, mm. for national athletes mm. to come in. Through. And um, so uh, with that being said, I've the, the key thing here would be, I think for me, is time management. Ah. Uh, to my administrative role in politics Malaysia, my family commitments, mm. I've got three kids, mm. and uh, my business as well. Mm. Lots of things to juggle. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, many people associate powerlifting uh, as synonymous with bulking up. Uh, is it as straightforward uh, as that? You know, what other factors come into play? Okay, so again, uh, strength spots are usually associated, not just bulking up, usually associated with drug use. Mm. I mean, it's going to be very open, but Powerlifting Malaysia, we are drug-tested federation. So, there's, uh, since our inception, we have not had a positive drug test, which is great news. Mm. We test close to 10% of our athlete pool uh, based on uh, national record or Asian record. And uh, even I, as a president, am not off the hook. I was tested. Mm. Uh, so, the testing is, again, very impartial and transparent. And... Uh, so that's first. And then secondly, when it comes to weight, we all compete in weight categories. So bulking up too much is also not the way to go. Yeah. You want to stay within reach. Like I compete at under 74. So mm. I don't want to run too far away from that weight, right? So you want to sit somewhere close to that weight class. Mm, got you. Otherwise, you have to cut too much and that can pose a problem yeah. in competition. Yeah. You're bulking up too much, you're above your, yeah. your weight class, right? right. Uh, so the, the challenge is to stay in that range and train. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Uh, some people also believe that, you know, powerlifting is not, uh, it's only for a specific demographic, something of obviously a stigma that you're trying to change with your the work that you're doing with your association. But there are a lot of people who think, you know, based on what we see in media, on TV, movies, for example, that powerlifting are meant for professional athletes and all bodybuilders and also primarily for men. How, how is the association trying to, you know, dispel this stigma, trying to challenge this idea and at the same time, you know, promote inclusivity in the sport? Okay, so uh, one of the first initiatives we have done is to, uh, to be inclusive of female representation within the board itself. Mm. There's no point in us saying that, oh, you know, we want inclusion, but we ourselves at administrative level don't do it. So we have uh, three uh, female uh, executive committee members and uh, all of them are athletes. Mm. Two of them are national athletes. And one of them 
is a master's athlete. It means she's over 50 years old mm. and still competing competitively internationally. Mm. So I think for us, the way to go is to set the example first. Mm. And hoping that the ripple, the butterfly effect carries on, you know. Mm, for yep. sure. For sure. A couple more questions. What are, you know, just off the back of a successful event last year, what are the future plans for MAPS for 2024 and, and beyond? Uh, 2024, again, uh, 2023 was an outward uh, direction for us to host an international meet. Now, we are, only, we are going to go back inward again. Okay. So we're going to go on grassroots development and a uh, few other things that we have planned out. So we have bench press competition coming up. We have the national championships coming up in May. Mm. And um, beyond that, uh, we have one qualifier in Sarawak in Kuching and we have another one in Johor uh, subsequently. That's for the rest of the year. And then internationally, our national team is going to be going to the world championships, which is in Lithuania uh, in June mm. and Uzbekistan in, for the Asian championships in December. Uh. And beyond that, so what happened last year was during the Asian Championships, uh, we were very lucky the IPF president actually came down, which he really does for an Asian Championship. And uh, he came down from Luxembourg. He spent the entire two weeks here with us. And uh, I think we impressed him. So we have been made the offer to host the World Championships. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and me being me, of course, I said yes, you know, as soon as he asked. And uh, so we have put it for 2027. Mm. So we'll be hosting the World Championships in 2027. Wow, that's great news. Seems like, <laughs> seems like a lot of work uh, lined yeah, up for you. Yeah. you know? I think we, the, um, the Asian Championships was the worst testing ground for us. <laughs> like if we can pull that off, we can pull off the world anytime. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, wish you the best of luck uh, for the foreseeable thank you, thank you, thank future. So um, as a parting question, you know, what advice would you give to someone? You know, who's listening to this? Who's inspired by your story? Inspired by the sport? Um, what advice will you give them, especially for those who want to reach that competitive level? You see, the thing about powerlifting, the beauty is anybody can become competitive. Um, it's powerlifting comprises of three movement: right squat, bench press, deadlift. It is a movement everybody who goes to the gym does. Even if you take a free PT from that gym, they would teach you how to squat, mm. bench press, and deadlift. And these movements are what you compete with. And anyone, even you, Daryl, for the matter, you know, I would love to invite you to come over and you know try the sport out. Mm. You could be a national athlete, or <laughs> <laughs> you might know. Yeah. So there is no age, gender barriers here. Uh, please reach out through our channels, our social media channels, our website. Reach out to us. The team is always ready to help. We are all inclusive and uh, we want a lot of people to come to the sport. Uh, we we want to grow in terms of volume and then that volume would then give us a larger pool to then build the national pool from. That was Dato Dayalan Jeevan, the president of the Malaysia Association for Powerlifting MAP. That's this week we've been exploring the world of powerlifting. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to revisit that interview again, do head over real soon to our website, www.bfm.my forward slash barnan for the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with the program, you can tweet us. We are at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong and this has been Barnan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week for more of the same, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast 
from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.